Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. We're going to talk a little bit about prayer. What we're not going to do is talk about the formula or recipe for prayer. Do want to talk about some things I think that are pertinent to us though about prayer. <clears throat> Appreciate the prayers this morning very much. Uh, I don't know about you, but I know that there are times in my life when I've thought, does God really hear me? Because there were things important in my life. And I went to Him in prayer. And I wondered, does He hear? And then I thought, does He care? If I'm in this kind of pain, and I go to a father who I am told loves me. And this situation didn't get fixed after I prayed the first time. The way I wanted it in my time and my way. Does he really care? And then will he answer? I want to talk about those three things this morning. And a lot of times we talk about prayer. When we get what we want, we say God answered my prayer. I want to speak about that a little bit. Talk about God answering prayer. There are some things to remember, and I'm going to take these as we're in agreement, and this is assumed knowledge. I just want to cover those real quickly. When I get what I want after I pray, it doesn't mean that God answered my prayer. Because if that's the case, then if I don't get what I asked for, it means God didn't answer my prayer. I can't have one and not have the other. And lastly, God hears and answers each and every one of the prayers of His children, those in a covenant relationship with Him. I hope we're in agreement with that. The way that this particular slide's constructed is there is an open Bible with that supposed to represent at the bottom. So as we're going along, the verses are actually going to be on the Bible, at least by intent, if my font didn't throw things off. Talk about how God answers prayer. One of two ways. It's not rocket science. He either says no or he says yes. What we don't like is when God says no. In particular, again, some things to remember. No is an answer. If we don't get what we went to God and petitioned Him for, it doesn't mean that God didn't answer. It means He said no. Craig, you've got children. They come to you sometimes and make requests of you as the head of the household, as their father. Do you ever say no? Is that an answer? Absolutely. My dad said no. Frequently. I assure you it was an answer. Brother Dale, your dad, you said no. It's an answer. I didn't like it when I was a kid. It hadn't changed a whole lot. I still don't like it when I go to my father, make requests doesn't mean that God didn't answer my prayer. It means that He said no. Sometimes we get this view of God like He is this benevolent uncle or He's Santa Claus and He sits on His throne and to stay in our good graces, like He needs that. He grants every petition that we bring before Him. That's not the God of the Bible and it's not the God that I serve. That is a really bogus concept of God. Everything will work together for good. Now, there's probably things in your life you prayed about and you look back and you said, boy, it didn't turn out so good for me. You didn't say it's going to turn out good for you. 
It's all about God. God got a purpose. He got a plan. And it might be that you got no for an answer and you had to suffer through some things. But it's going to work together for good. We'll see a good example of that too coming up. Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse number 28. The scripture says, We know that all things work together for good. Not necessarily the way I want them. They work together for good. For whom? To those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. Does that describe you this morning? You love God? Are you called according to His purpose? Notice it didn't say according to Chris's will. Or your will. Or how you want it. It's to the purpose of God. And He had that. If I understand the Bible correctly. Before the foundation of the world. He already had His plan. And we're part of it. He's got a purpose. In the book of Matthew, I want to go to this first, well, really the only example we're going to use, and I can't think of a better one than going to Jesus. That's always a great way to do it. Matthew chapter 26. Beginning in verse 36, it says, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. This is the night which he was betrayed. This is the start of his passion. He knew what was going to happen because he was part of the plan. He was one of the planners. He knew what was going to take place. Now he's going to manifest that in the flesh. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. Jesus is going to pray. He went a little further, fell on his face and prayed. Jesus prayed. I don't know about you, but I think that's powerful. And I think his Father in heaven gave him an ear and heard what he said. Was moved by his only begotten Son. Here's what he prayed. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Is anything too hard for God? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you've got a divine purpose. And I'm called according to that, and I love you. If it's possible, in keeping with that purpose, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless... Not as I will, but as you will. And how important is that? So many times we go to Him and we're not praying according to His will. It's according to our will. And again, I can't judge you and I don't plan to, but I can tell you I can get really selfish. And I can do that in my prayer life. And it disturbs me when I actually come to the conclusion and realize that. I am praying selfishly here. I need to break out of that. Guess what? That just gave me something else to pray about. Need help with that. As you will. Again, a second time. He went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it. See, maybe, God, you didn't understand the way I phrased it the first time. I'm just going to come at this a little bit different angle. Make sure you get my intent, my will but your will be done. Two times. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time. Now this is consecutive prayer. Three times, one night. And what does it say? Saying the same words. Now you've probably heard about 
the fact that we shouldn't have vain repetition in prayer. And I just wanted to make a little segue here and talk about that a minute because Jesus prayed three times, same night, for the very same thing, using the same words. How do I know that? Because I'm told that. I know that. When you pray, do not use vain repetition. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7 tells us. As the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. I don't know exactly every word that Jesus said in those prayers. Because we're not told. We recorded every word. What we're told is he prayed the same words three times in a row. And I don't know about you, but I look at that, and that's a really short couple of sentences, but there's a lot packed in there. Jesus could have gone on for a long time in vain repetition. Giving his will to the Father. He didn't do that. He just like, Lord, here's what I want. If it's possible, but your will be done. Simple. And what did the Father tell me? We'll get to that in just a minute. In James uh, chapter 5, verse 16, the last part of that says, The effect and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you think Jesus is a righteous man? Was he then? Amen is without sin. You think that was uh, an effective, fervent prayer? Drops of sweat like blood coming off of him? I'm not sure if I understand fervent right, but I think that kind of falls in that category. It was effective because it got God's attention. We're also told in 1 John 5, this is the confidence that we have in them, that if we ask anything, But what's the rest of that? According to His will. He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, and brethren, we know that, whatever we ask, we know that we have the the petitions that we ask of Him. God grants our prayer. He grants our petition. He hears our prayer. And He answers. We need to have that confidence. So how did God answer his son? Three times. And God answered him three times. He said no. And what did that do? That sent Jesus to the cross. That's what that did. Now Jesus could have looked there and said, now wait a minute, I know what's going to happen here. How is this working to my good? It's going to hurt. It's going to do more than just leave a mark, so kill me. But it's according to the divine purpose. That's what this is. It's the will of God. It's His purpose. And you know what? You and I benefit from that every day. Every day. Brother Dustin, appreciate your words around the table this morning. We do benefit from that daily. Him going to that cross. There's different answer that God could give. He could say yes. Let's look at that. Sometimes we really don't want him to say yes. We just want magic, a little fairy dust get sprinkled. We'll talk a little more about that in his time and in his way when he says yes. That's where we start to get frustrated. Fairy dust means it's magic. There's no change necessary, right? Change what I do, but not how I think. Think about this for just a minute. New Year's resolutions. How many of us make things like that, especially this time of year, right? I'm going to lose weight, and I'm going to get healthy. And I'm going to pray to God that that happens. But I'm going to keep eating just like I eat. And me and that couch are going to stay comfortable just like we have been. 
What am I praying for? A miracle. That's what I'm asking for here. I'm not saying, Lord, come help me change and do what I need to do. But brother, we don't put in the work. We don't get the benefit. That's the system. We're asking for magic. We're asking for miracles. Let's think about this. What if I pray for faith? Well, Romans 10, 17 tells us how to get faith, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Brother George, if I want faith, what I need to do? Get in the word. Well, I'm praying for faith, Lord. And he's like, do you have a Bible? You know, you can get those used to on cassette. I'm not sure even if everybody here knows what that means. You can get an electronic version of that where you can hear it in your ear. I don't make sure we call that anymore. On my playlist, maybe. Is that how they work? Okay. I don't even have to be able to read. I can hear it. I can get access to the Word of God. If I'm not doing that, my prayer's in vain. Because it's not according to His will. His will is that I get in His Word. And that's how my faith grows. What if I pray for patience, the patience of Job? You reckon that's a good thing to pray for? Whew, that scares me right now. There's a reason why Job was put in the Bible and that whole story was recorded so that we would understand what it took for Job to get that patience. Yes, he's got it. I admire him for that. I do. God admired him for it. Let's think about that. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. When I pray for patience, I am saying, Lord, test my faith. Send me into various trials. And when you do, I'm going to get down on my knees and ask you to deliver me from these trials. And he's like, wait a minute, I thought you asked for patience. Well, I did, but I want that magic dust. I just want it to come. I don't want to have to go suffer. I don't want to have to put in the work. He's already told us how we get patience. We pray for patience. And oh, by the way, how many of us really count it all joy when we fall into trials? I can't recall a single time in my life I've walked in the house and gone to my wife and said, Yippee! I'm having various trials. I'm so joyful. Let's just pray a thanksgiving to God right now for all these hard times we're having. I've never done that. That's counterintuitive to me. I have gone to God and said, deliver me. And he's like, dummy, you ask for patience. Conflicting prayer. We'll talk more about that later. When he says yes, it's going to be in his time and in his way. I want to talk about an example of that that I think is really, really good. It starts with good old Abram or Abraham as he's going to become known. And I love this story. You know, there's more about Abraham than any other biblical character in other save Jesus. There's a lot of time spent on Abraham. There's a reason for that. We benefit from his covenant today. Isn't that wonderful? In Genesis chapter 15, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now, I don't know what you got out of that, but I, I am a father. I have talked to my children. I have given a sentence to them that had multiple things in it. And it's amazing what Abram gets out of this sentence. Right? What did God tell him? He said, I'm your shield. I'm going to protect you. I'm your exceedingly great reward. I'm your God. And Abraham said, what do you give me? Kids ever do that for those of you who are parents? 
Those of you who are not, you ever do that to your parents? I can tell you mine did. What did I get out of this deal? He said, saying, I go childless, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. This is a big deal. Big deal to Abram. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Hmm. Okay. That's what you want, huh? We continue the story. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one, Eleazar, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Your, your, your seed, your offspring. That's what's going to happen. Abram is not a young fella. I'm not a young fella. If God came, now I've got offspring, but if God came to me now and he said, Hey, I'm going to give you something. It isn't, I'm not asking for more kids. Not at my age. Then he brought him outside and said, think about that. He walked him outside the tent and said, look up towards heaven. Count the scars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him or he imputed righteousness to him because of that faith, that belief. Isn't that awesome? Now, God just said that so we know it's going to happen. See, when God makes a promise, we already know it's going to take place. It's there. We just got to wait for it to show up, right? In His time and in His way. This is His way. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. None. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Now at this time, they'd been outside of Ur of the Chaldees for 10 years. For 10 years. God said yes. Abram, what do you want? I want a kid. Yes. 10 years later, he and the wife still trying to figure this out. Hey, did this God, we don't even know his name, that made you that promise. Is he still there? Ten years we've been here. Got no kids. But I got a maidservant whose name's Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. How many times have you and I done that? God tells us yes. We get tired of waiting on him when we decide, You know what? God, I'm going to do this for you. I figured it out. I'm going to go do it my way. And God's like, hmm, hmm, wasn't part of my plan. By her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Lord willing, we're going to have a marriage seminar in a couple of months. And I will tell you that heeding the voice of your wife, married men, is a good deal most of the time. As long as it's according to God's purpose. Abram heeded the voice of his wife. It was not according to the purpose of God. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. If you're wondering how I knew that, God told me. I didn't go in to do math. I'm not one of those guys. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. Nature took place. We continue with the story. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old. When Hagar bore Ishmael to him. I don't know that I'm going to live to 86. He was happy. 
about this. 86 years old, got a son. Oops, guess what? Not according to God's plan. So what's God going to do? Not going to recognize that. Now, let's fast forward 13 more years. When did God say yes? 23 years ago, according to my math. When Abram's 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between you and me and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of many nations. He's going to do a name change. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And the name indicates that. And again, God speaks. So this has to happen to a 99-year-old man who'd been waiting for this to come to pass for 23 years. But God said yes. In his time. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you'll not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and also give you a son by her in his way. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nation. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham reacted. He's 99 year old. His wife, 89 year old. She's past the age of childbearing. He's past the age of Karen. Okay? So when he hears this, what does he do? The scripture says he fell on his face and left. You and I ever do that at a promise that came from God? Well, again, I don't know about you, but as I look back in my life, I'm guilty. I am. When Jesus went to the cross, he took my sin on him. And he said, Chris, if you believe, if you repent, you confess, and you're buried with me in the watery grave of baptism, I'm going to take that sin from you, and I'm going to bear the punishment for you from now on. And there's times I've doubted that. I've doubted that. But God promised that. And I know it is so. He said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old? Nine months, right? Typically in the womb. And shall Sarah who is ninety years old now bear a child? See, that's going to take a miracle. God said, my covenant I will establish with Isaac, who's he, not born yet, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year, in his time, in his way. <clears throat> and Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael lived before you. See, I got a son through this Egyptian handmaid. What about Ishmael? Abraham said to God, I'm sorry, then God said, no. Did God answer that, by the way? Again, that little two-letter word we don't like to hear. He said, no. Sarah, your wife, right, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with the descendants after him. Not only are you going to have a kid, kid's going to be a son. Not only are you going to have a son, you're going to name him Isaac. And when you do, I'm going to establish my covenant with 
him. There's the seed promise. Not through Ishmael, through Isaac. Because Sarah had to be the mother for this seed promise to work according to the purpose of God. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. Amen. If you're 100 and you 90, you old. I'm telling you right now, U.S. government says I'm old. I'm 65. I got a thing in the mail that said, Woo-hoo, you get Medicare. And you get to pay for it. Yippee. Well advanced in age, Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. What is that? He's going to open up her womb. He's going to take a woman who's past the age of childbearing and make her fertile. How do I know that? For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old days. Because the Bible tells me. At the set time. When? At the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old. That covenant of circumcision that God had instilled back then. God had, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now 24 years. But God said yes. Did that come to happen? Yes it did. It happened. Just like God said in his way. And oh, by the way, at the set time in his time. That's how God does business. He doesn't do it on our timetable. And he doesn't do it like we think it ought to be done. And again, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get really guilty about trying to tell God how to do it. And I think we need to have some specificity in prayer. But I think sometimes we go beyond specific and get into God's business. God, I want this from you, but this is how you need to do it. And I'm going to give you a timeline. So make sure you make that happen or you didn't answer my prayer. And he's like, yeah, I heard you. I'm going to do it in my way in my time. That's how it's going to happen. Abraham was 100 years old. Think about that. Whew. Sometimes we have conflicting prayers, don't we? You ever think about that? We've been praying here collectively and on our prayer list... Uh, was a guy, Brother Don, from Lorraine, Texas, who's been an elder there and a member of that congregation almost since his birth. He had a fast form of cancer, and he passed yesterday. We prayed for him. But sometimes we have prayers in conflict. And I just want you to think about this for just a minute. If we can look at this from God's vantage point up here. And he's looking down. And all of a sudden we have someone who's sick, who's ill, who's not feeling well. And as a group, we determine the best thing for them. Lord, get them back in service. Get them out of the hospital. Get them back in work. Restore to them a portion of their effort. And sometimes that person laying there saying, Lord, it's my time. Take me. It's finished. Just like the Lord on the cross. Take me. Who does he listen to? Well, he listens to all of us. But he's not going to say yes to all of us. To some of us, he's going to say no because it's not according to his purpose. We see time, an example, 
uh, I think, a scriptural example of this. James chapter 5, verse 17 talks about Elijah, how he was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. I'm not a farmer, never been one. I'm glad we got them because I eat what they produce. I love it. And I think if it didn't rain for three years and six months, there's some folks going hungry. Yeah, buddy. You can tell I don't go hungry. That is not my wheelhouse hunger. Don't like it. He prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Now let's think about that scenario for just a minute and ask some questions. you suppose that there were people who depended on that food who were praying for rain during that three-year and six-month period? Think so? I'm going to tell you, I would have been. Lord, where the rain? You said it comes in its season. And even if you don't think I'm just, it rains on the unjust too. Right? Open the windows of heaven, give us some of that liquid we need. Elijah praying for a drought and others praying for rain, conflicting prayer. You think of any other examples? There's some Bible examples out there. Which prayer did God answer? He answered all of them. Anybody who's in a covenant relationship with him, he hears and answers that prayer. Guaranteed for us. Appreciate the reading this morning too. Out of Isaiah chapter 65, that last verse 24, it says, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. That's a promise to the people who are his children in that relationship with him. What about you today? Are you in that kind of relationship with our Heavenly Father? Do you know for certain when you lift up a prayer, that he's answered it before it leaves your lips and he hears it while you're speaking. Because that's the promise you and I have as children of God. If you're not, I assure you, those of us here who are praying for you, and you've got an opportunity this morning to be a beneficiary of Jesus going to that cross and being a beneficiary of God hearing every prayer that you lift up. You do that just like people have always done. We act on our faith because that's where it starts. We change our lives to conform to His will and His purpose. We repent. Under this covenant, we confess Jesus is our Lord, is the Son of God. And we're buried with Him in baptism. That gets us in the kingdom. That brings us into that covenant relationship. We're praying that you obey that gospel. For those of us here who have already obeyed that, we have an opportunity again this morning to come before this body of our brothers and sisters, like-minded, who love us, to lift us up in prayer, to pray with us and for us for things that we might need. If there's one of either class, please come while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.